Hello, everyone. You are listening to Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas. I'm very glad that you are here. I want to talk about a culturally relevant issue, something that circulates in our news every so often, and that is the subject of gun control. I want to present to you what I hope is a cogent and biblical argument that will uh, clearly identify what the issues are and a proper way to think about this emotional topic that is uh, that is that is discussed so often uh, in our culture, especially on social media platforms. It is important, in my view, that we do be culturally relevant. We are to be salt and light in our world, and so knowing how to think about things is vital. I do not have the final word on this subject, but I do trust that these words will be able to help you. I have an article here I want to share with you, and of course, with all of our resources, you are welcome to read, you can watch, or you can listen. And so you can go to this article. The title of it is A Reasonable Response to the Gun Control Debate, and you will find embedded in the article a podcast as well as a video. By the way, for those of you who do watch our videos on our Rumble or YouTube channels, if you would subscribe, you can do that easily just subscribe to our channels and that way you will know each time that there is a video dropping you can watch from there and then also if you don't mind if you would share uh, those videos any of our videos with anyone that you desire that would be fantastic it will help us to grow and to reach more people with the practical message of Christ, and that ultimately is the aim. It is one of the most significant ways that you can partner with our ministry. Obviously, praying for our ministry is is huge, and I would appreciate both of those things if you would pray for us and then also share our resources with others. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, be sure to follow on your podcast platform and, of course, let others know, especially your pastors, the leadership of your churches. Uh, that would be fantastic. All right, so I want to talk about a reasonable response to the gun control debate. Thanks again for joining me. When mass shootings happen, Many reasonable people stand on all sides of the gun control debate. Some folks want to limit the number of guns we have and how we use them. Others want to eliminate them altogether. And then there's another side where they want to have more freedom regarding firearms. The debate is ongoing, but it always intensifies whenever there is a murder. These shootings rip out our hearts as we try to comprehend what happened. And it doesn't matter how many times you hear of it or how much violence you watch on television. When you hear a story about people killing people, the sadness overwhelms you. The initial response is to mourn. You mourn. You, you, we grieve for the victims of the crime. We grieve for the families and friends of those who lost loved ones. We weep for a twisted individual who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We struggle because the noisemakers do not talk about God's solutions, and that is always a tension. That is always a tension in us. He is the only one who can reverse the curse of the evil one who scored another victory with another shooting. When a murder happens, every channel's news is a steady stream from every possible storyline. 
which is the perfect opportunity for the cultural evangelist to move the discussion into their corner. And why not? I get it. I understand. I mean, it's a senseless tragedy that provides the pundits the platform to preach their gospel. And like any good cultural evangelist, they want to seize the moment. They're looking for converts. And full disclosure here, I am doing the same thing. Thing. When I write, when I produce a podcast, build out a video, my hope is to grip you and to take you where I want you to go. Now, my aim is to show you Christ. I want to reveal to you my biases, my agenda. The purpose of all the content that we create with this ministry is to spread the fame of Christ. That's why I ask you, I appeal to you to share our videos, share our podcast, our article content. Let other people know. We want people to hear the practical message of Christ. How does the Bible apply in a relevant, functional way that is transformative, that brings glory to God, personal benefit to each individual as well as all of our relationships? That is the aim. That is why I do what I do. The cultural evangelist plan is is similar, though with different objectives and outcomes. It's not what I have just described to you. The Bible is not their presupposition or their hermeneutic. They begin with a heart-wrenching story and then launch into their politicized agenda. Gun control is just one of those agendas, and every mass shooting presents the platform for them to pontificate. What strikes me about the gun control argument is how the storyline always moves from human responsibility to the fault of the gun. And I'm not presenting my argument here in a black and white way. As I get to the end of this, And I hope that you'll hang with me. But as I get to the end, I I will talk about how I agree in part with these pundits. But I don't believe that it is right to move away from human responsibility and put the blame on the gun. If I didn't know what guns were, imagine a, a kid growing up. He didn't know what a gun was. He's eight, nine, ten years of age. And if he heard many of these pundits talk, they would think that guns are free moral agents. For example, we talk about gun violence. The gun did it. That is the implication with our euphemistic language. And if I didn't know any better, I would think that guns were free moral agents who exercise their will over humans. And so what I want to share with you are three ways that our culture talks about this problem And I want to present what I think is a better argument, and then I'll have some concluding thoughts. And first, I want to take this term gun violence, because that is a common label that we hear often. And this is the first shift, I think, in the argument. And it's when the evangelist does use that term. This labeling gun violence, is it is a subtle But astute change, if you want to move the discussion from human responsibility to inanimate objects, 
Make them animated. Make the gun animated. It is a worldview difference between gun violence and and human violence, which is the alternative. This is a euphemistic maneuver, and it happens when they make the weapon violent rather than the human being who is controlling the weapon. You could do the same thing with sticks and stones. I mean, it, it, it's rock violence. If, if I were to hit you over the head with a rock, which I would not do, if I hit you over the head with a stick, it would be stick violence. This misdirection moves the potential cultural convert from thinking less about people and more about sticks and stones and guns, which is, this is more than semantics. This is an agenda. It's a cultural worldview designed to shape policy. Once we put the accent mark on the gun rather than on the center wielding the gun, then we have set ourselves up as secondary actors, not corporates. The evangelist argument is about guns as though the person who slaughtered the people was not culpable for his actions. If you follow the logic, The solution is to incarcerate the gun, and that is the agenda. They call it gun control. And so we are going to incarcerate the gun so that there won't be gun violence rather than incarcerating the gunman. The progressive left of our political culture, they do want to release more criminals rather than arrest them. The assumption is if you manage all inanimate objects capable of being used to hurt someone, you would solve the problem. But we know that that is not true. Now, I do not fault unbelievers for pushing their agenda, and I, I don't expect an unbelieving culture to put forth Christian values. That would be naive, if not downright foolish on my part. Their argument is their worldview, and they cannot consider the doctrine of sin because they reject Christ and his word. They can't understand how violence comes from a sinful heart, not a gun, not the way that we do. The gun, in their view, is an instrument, or the gun is an instrument that a violent person uses to carry out his violent actions. That is our view, rather. An inanimate object has no ability, has no power to harm anyone if a depraved soul chooses not to harm anyone. A mass shooting is no different from the first recorded murder from this perspective. If the cultural evangelist argued the case back in the day of Cain and Abel, he would push for rock control or stick control or whatever object Cain chose to kill his brother, as we see in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 8. And so the first transition from moving from human responsibility to an inanimate object is this euphemistic language of gun violence. And then there is also a gun morality where we are continuing to animate the gun. And so the gun is not only violent, but it has a morality. So the the possession of guns is the problem. I do agree with them, partly. The possession of guns is a problem for some people, but I reject how they position the argument and the word choices to disguise the real issue. The cultural evangelists give an inanimate object morality. For example, here's a quote that 
is very common or some version of this which speaks to a gun having morality. Quote, if the assailant did not own guns, the victims would be alive today, as though the guns made the moral choice to kill someone. Well, it might be true if the assailant did not own a gun that the victim could be alive, and I would never dismiss that kind of reasoning as though it is ludicrous and carries no validity. This is the parts where I do agree, in part, to their argument. But the problem I have is where the gun controllers place the weight of the argument. They move the issue to the gun with hardly any mention of the real culprit. If the assailant survives, he will stand trial for his hate crime. His weapons will not stand trial. It's not gun morality. It is human morality, or in this case, immorality. There is only one culprit in this morality play, the assailant. He is the free moral agent who chooses to pick up an inanimate object and kill human beings. If they want to make a hypothetical argument by saying the assailant would not have killed if he had no gun, I could make an opposite argument saying he would have killed them with something else. Both opinions, mine and theirs, are speculative. But it really, they miss the point. This is more of a moral problem than a gun issue. When our children use an object to hurt one of their siblings, as they might or might not have done when they were much smaller, the thrust of my response to them is not about the thing that they used. That's not the main focus. I'm addressing their little hearts, their sinful hearts, the heart of the person who made a moral decision to hurt a sibling. If God changes our child's heart, then the objects around our home will not be a problem. But banning every possible thing that someone can use to hurt someone does not make sense when evil has gripped the hearts of fallen people. Because this is a moral argument, we do have a solution. But if the cultural evangelist gets his way by making it a gun argument, there is no solution. Not until the government can control all possible objects that people can use to kill. Even if that were possible, there is still the matter of human depravity. If sinful people are not held accountable for their immoral actions, there is no possible way to control guns or any other weapon of choice. And so the first shift as they move from human responsibility to the gun did it is this language of gun violence. And in one sense, it doesn't make any difference of the language that you use unless you upload it with an agenda, which they do when they use the language of gun violence. And then we talk about gun morality, as though the moral issue is more about the gun than the individual who is wielding the gun. It is the morality of the assailant that is in view here who is motivated by a sinful heart. And then there is gun power, as though the gun can tempt us and lure us and entice us to do evil things, meaning that the evil that is there is out there and not in our hearts. Here is a quote. This is actually a quote from a, excuse me, a cultural evangelist. Quote, handguns do not enhance our safety. 
They exacerbate our flaws. They tempt us to escalate arguments and bait us into embracing confrontation rather than avoiding it. Do you hear the language that the cultural evangelist is using? They exacerbate our flaws by tempting us, by baiting us into embracing confrontation rather than avoiding it. Initially, the evangelists talk about the violence of the gun, not the man wielding it. Then they place morality on the gun rather than the man wielding it. Lastly, they give the weapon the ability to tempt a human being. Guns can cause us to sin by exacerbating, by tempting, by baiting us to pick them up and shoot someone. James debunked this argument a long time ago when he addressed the source of our anger in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. These two verses read as though they came out of today's newspaper. According to James, the gun did not exacerbate, the gun did not tempt, the gun did not bait the killer to kill. He murdered because there was something he wanted, but he could not get, so he chose to murder. This is what James 4, 1 and 2 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? The operative word here is cause. What is the the source? Once you pinpoint the source, the cause of the argument, the quarrel, the fight, then you have identified the true starting point to resolve the problem. James asked what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Do you hear why it? I said it sounds like he just pulled this right out of today's newspaper. The source is in the heart of the individual. The gun does not have power. Saying guns tempt us is a common mistake. By the way, we have all done this. How many times have you gotten angry with someone and then justified your anger by blaming something outside of yourself for the offense? When something went wrong, they caused me to do this. She made me do this. That thing tempted me, caused me to do this. We do this all the time. Anytime that we look beyond ourselves to explain the cause of anger, we're no longer walking in the truth. James also said in chapter 1, if you back up three chapters, go to the very first chapter, and he talks about the origination of our problems. This is why the anger passage in James 4 makes so much sense, because in James 1, verses 14 and 15, he says this, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by a gun. That's not what he said. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, which is exactly what James was saying in chapter 4 about anger. James goes on to say in chapter 1, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers." Though I appreciate anyone's desire to curb violence and make our culture a safer place to live, but if we try to bring in social change while dismissing God's word, 
we are deceiving ourselves, and the excellent desire we may want for society will never happen. Moving the storyline from appropriate mourning over the senseless deaths of people made in the image of God to the primary cause of those murders being something other than human responsibility is misguided and non-productive. Guns have no life. They have no power. They cannot tempt us. We are tempted by our own desires. Guns cannot be animated. Guns cannot do anything without a sinful person with a sinful desire who wants to do a sinful thing. The cultural evangelist is making it a one-sided view. The problem is with the gun. I have a counter-argument. The problem is not with the gun. If the culture ever turns the argument back to the people behind the weapons, they would be in a better place for resolution. But I would not want to leave you thinking there is no problem with guns. And this is what I was saying earlier, that I can agree in part with their argument because I do not see this as a completely black and white issue. Because there is some validity to what they are saying. If our child did abuse a sibling with an inanimate object, I would deal with his heart first, as I said earlier. But then I would make sure that there were rules to mitigate the possibility of it happening again. For example, it would be unwise for me to put a box of BBs on the kitchen counter for a child to act out his evil heart per chance he wanted, per chance he had that sinful desire in his heart. That type of misguidedness would be foolish parenting because I would not be thinking through the doctrine of sin present in a child's heart. The answer is not legalism, absolutely no guns, and it's not licentiousness where there is just total gun freedom. I believe the murder rate would go down if there were stricter practices and policies regarding firearms, especially for those with criminal records. My point is not to say that enacting policies won't work. We have to live as men and women under authority. God gave us policies. He has given us government as a means of grace. We even see policies enacted in Matthew 19.8 because of our hard hearts, Jesus said. Policies can work to a degree. But the real issue will always be human responsibility. It's about the accent mark. If you put the accent mark on gun control as though they are the animated objects that has the power that is seducing us and they are the cause of all the murders that are happening, then, well, we have lost the thread. But if we put the accent mark on human responsibility and begin our talking or conversation from that point of departure... Well, then we can have a productive dialogue regarding the, regarding the main problem rather than shifting the discussion to lesser or specious arguments. It would be more effective if our cultural evangelists wrote about moral issues like parenting, for example. I gave some parenting advice. I would not put the BBs on the kitchen counter if I knew that I had a child with a proclivity to want to hurt someone by shooting them. Maybe the cultural evangelist could talk about fatherless homes or firearm responsibility. 
if you've ever gone and had any kind of firearm weaponry class, I mean, that is absolutely essential. And you learn so much in that kind of training. Maybe a study that the statistical demographics that are more likely to kill someone. Parenting practices, fatherless homes, firearm responsibilities, statistical studies. I do hear you, cultural evangelist. I'm not going to leave a gun readily available for an immature child to pick up and use willy-nilly. I'm willing to embrace your worldview to a point. But let's talk about being responsible with guns, sure. But do you hear me? Will you embrace my worldview that is primarily a moral problem where there is human agency and we must deal with that as far as first things first? The title of this article that I'm sharing with you is A Reasonable Response to the Gun Control Debate. I want to wrap up by asking a few questions. And again, I I hope that you will use the podcast, the video, the article, these call to action. This would be a wonderful opportunity to talk among friends. Number one, what's your take on the gun control argument? I trust you have one. I trust that it is biblically cogent and practically relevant. Number two, using the Bible as your primary source material, will you make a case for what you believe? It is essential for you to have an argument. It is essential for you to believe correctly on this matter. Number three, are you aware of the gun violence statistics? Where do most killings take place? What are some of the common denominators? What solutions would you like to see? Question number four, I want to tie these together. Which demographics are safer and what are a few reasons for it? And so look at both the negative and the positive so that you can have a comprehensive understanding of the data so that you can not only engage the culture intelligently, you understand the problem, but when it comes to policy making, it is essential that this is not just an emotional issue. And I recognize that it is emotional. By the way, for those of you who are not familiar with my story, you you don't know that uh, I had two brothers who were murdered, one in 1987 and one in 1997. And so I do understand this is an emotional argument, but that's why it's important that you want to look at it as objectively as you can, as intelligently as you can, and so you want to look at both the negative and positive side of the statistics. And so I asked in question number three, are you aware of the gun violence statistics? Where do most of the killings take place? What are some of the common denominators? What solutions would you like to see? And then number four, which demographics are safer and what are a few reasons for it? Understanding this information is an honest desire to not only want to evaluate, but to understand, to implement ways that can make our culture safer. Number five, how active are you culturally? Are you gathering? Are you processing? Are you understanding the data? What should your role be in engaging the culture from a bibliocentric worldview? I mean, are we to be a light on a hill? Are we to be salt and light in the world? Are we to go into the world teaching people about Christ? Well, part of that is understanding our culture. We can't be silo Christians as though we are detached from the culture. We live in the world. We don't live like the world, but we very much live in it. Number six, if you have children, how are you indoctrinating them about the cause of sin? Anger 
Anger is really what we're talking about when someone kills somebody, and that's why James's passage in chapter 4 is so important. You need to have a theology of anger, and it ties to the gun control issue. You want to indoctrinate your children the right way. What does walking out repentance look like in your life? How are you teaching this to your children? And then number seven Are they tempted to blame outside sources as the cause of their anger? We want our children to know at a very young age, the devil did not make me do it. That woman you gave me, God, as Adam said in Genesis 3, that woman you gave me made me do it. No, the devil doesn't make you do it, and Eve doesn't make you do it, and the gun doesn't make you do it. We want our children to learn the cause, the source of our anger, that these desires that we have. And then when we step into like a culturally relevant topic like this, we have a sound understanding of anthropology and harmoniology. We understand how sin operates in the human heart, and we have a solution through Christ as guided by his word. The title of this article is A Reasonable Response to the Gun Control Debate. Please feel free to share it with anyone. And for those of you who are able to partner with us, please pray for our ministry. Number two, please share our content broadly. Feel free to share it with anyone. And then there is a minority of you. There's a small number of you who can help us financially if you can, only if you can. If you are supporting your local church and you have the ability to support another ministry, would you consider supporting ours as we take the message of Christ globally? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.